The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to our Thursday morning edition of the Source of Truth podcast. And thank you for joining us this morning and being part of uh, this podcast. And I thank you, Lord, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be part of your day. And thank the Lord for the word of God and that source of truth he has given us in a day and age where truth is so subjective, we can come to the absolute truth that is the word of God. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you're doing well as we hit Thursday live here at 11 o'clock. And we hope you're doing well and having a great, great week. And hope that even for the next few minutes that we can allow the Word of God to speak to us, encourage us, and inspire us. Psalm chapter 96 this morning. Psalm 96, as we continue and pick up where we left off, uh, this section of Psalms is there is talk about worship and exhortation to praise. And this is continued as we get in the aspect of worship. And we're going to talk again a bit more about why worship, obviously who to worship, and then we begin to talk more about the actual implementation of worship. What does it mean? We've talked about music. We've talked about the premise of singing. Uh, we've talked about the fact that these things, and, and who we worship, obviously God, that these things aren't about our desire. These, you know, Worship is a command from God. Worship is something he desires, and he wants us to do, and he commands us to do. And, and so we worship. We don't worship how we worship is not based upon our preference, it's upon the command of God, and music was one of those great aspects of it. Then he continues today, again, we're going to look at recognizing who God is in the aspect of worship, but then there's two things in today's session section we're going to look at that talk about things that should be included in worship. So let's begin, we're going to begin in verse number four, as we begin to talk about, first of all, the person and the reason behind worship. I want to actually go back to three for a little bit of context. In verse three, it says, declare his glory, God's glory among the heathen, among those who have yet to call upon Jesus, his wonders among all the people. Why? For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So we start with the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. We see his his position, his person. We see who he is. And we go back to this reminder. The Lord is not good based upon what we think he should do. The Lord is not good based upon what we think he is doing. The Lord is good. So whatever circumstance he's allowed in your life, he is still good. Now, I'm going to encourage you. That doesn't necessarily mean that whatever circumstance you're in is easy. Uh, doing the right thing is not always the easy thing. And so what we need to do is just uh, sometimes just fall on our face before God and just cry out and say, we're struggling. I don't know what to do in this situation. We don't run from God in anger because it's not working out the way we want. We go to God in pleading and prayer, begging God to help us to see, number one, who he is, reminder of his greatness, and maybe, maybe in the process, learn who he is in the process of what he's doing. We may never fully understand what he or what he's doing or why he did it. Um, obviously, Lord willing, we will grow to learn to grow a little bit more into him, into who he is and who we need to be in him. But ultimately, we don't have to fully understand the thinking and the working of God. He is God. Our job is to submit and learn, again, reminder, he is great and greatly to be praised. And that greatness, that, that great, good, wonderful God is with reminded of to who he is, and we must follow that. 
I think we're, we gotta be careful not to say, here's the box, and if God fits in this box, then he's good. If God does this, then he's good. If God doesn't do this, then he's good. If, if God allows this, then he's good. If he doesn't allow this, then he's good. It, it's like, if he makes everything in my life work the way I want him to, then God's good, and I have no problem praising his name when he answers prayer, praising his name when the bills are paid, and praising his name when everything's wonderful, but as soon as things seem to fall apart, Lord, what's wrong? Why are, why are you ignoring me? Why are you evil today? Now, those may not be phrases we say, but definitely somehow we react to them. We must come back to the reminder, he is great. And that is, that's where we keep our focus. Um, he is, but he says, here's the, I mentioned there's two things that I want us to recognize in worship. The first one comes in the second half of this verse. He said, he is to be feared above all gods. Now, he mentioned the word gods there, it's low, uh, lowercase g. He clarifies in verse 5, for all the gods of the nations, of these pagan nations, are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. They're empty. They're just, they're just man-made figurines. They're empty things that don't, that even if, they, if the man may exist at some point, he is dead now. They're not real. But God created the heavens. So here's a simple principle. These other gods, man created them whittled them out of wood and stuck them on a mantle. That's an idol. So man created these gods, but God is unique because God created everything, including men. So do I want, to, do I want something in my house that I hope protect me that I created? No, I want to my focus to be on a God who created me, who loves me, who provides for me, who protects. That's the difference. Instead of me creating this God who's just a figurine, he is God. Now, Obviously, most of us today aren't putting figurines on our mantles. But how many other things have we put in our life that have become gods above him? And I think all of us could probably point to something that if we're not careful in our society have become, uh, some of it's our money, our jobs, our positions, the current fear that's going on right now. All of these things have been placed above God. But here's what he told us to do. He is to be feared above all gods. Now, here's what happens when we get to the word fear in Scripture. Uh, we, we come to this premise of, well, I don't want to see God as evil. And I, I, I really, I get nervous. I want to see God as the fluffy teddy bear in the sky. Please understand where I'm going with this. And so we, we pull back a little bit of the idea of fear. Now, I will agree that the term fear in Scripture does not mean that we should be afraid or frightened by God. We should reverence Him. We should respect Him. But can I encourage you, as a Christian, that's where we come. As one who accepts God as our Savior and has placed our faith in Him and has assurance of salvation, He is my Heavenly Father. I reverence Him and I love Him and I know that He loves me and I will be in heaven one day. But you know to the world that is yet to accept God, He is to be feared. Because there is a place called hell and if we don't put our faith in, in Him, He will allow them to go there. There is hell. There is death. There is eternity. All of these things, and we want to tell the world, he's not, oh, don't, don't fear God, don't worry. There is a real legitimate ending of life. There is eternity. There is heaven. There is hell. Hell is a real place. Hell is a place of fire and torment. And the world must realize that God is not just going to one day say, well, I'm a loving God. Let everybody come to heaven. He's not going to do that because he put his son upon the cross and he's offered to everyone salvation, but they must accept it in their choice. That's worship. They must accept him. So to be honest, there's a part to fear because he will ultimately bring down justice upon sin. Actually, the chapter ends in verse 13, but the, before the Lord, for he, come, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. That is to be feared if you're not his people. 
If we are not white with God, if we're not saved and knowing that God is coming back for us, that is to be feared. Because he, 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 at that point, he's not a respecter of persons. He's going to have his family and those who, who, those who have accepted him, those who have rejected him. Those are the two. So may encourage us that we're careful when we think about sharing with friends. You know, we want to, we want to, God is a loving God. He's a gracious God, full of grace and mercy, long-suffering. But he, there is the end coming. And boy, we must understand that that end is very strong. So there's a level where we respect him and reverence him as those of us who've called upon him. But there is, he is and all, he is still almighty God. And I'm afraid in this idea of reverence, we lower God below to where he is. He is still the creator. He is still almighty God. God. He is still the one that I'm to, to bow down before, and may we keep the right respect for God. But So that's the first part of worship. But then he goes on and says in verse 6, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindred the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering, and come into his courts. The second thing he obviously talks about is giving. I give of my time, I give of my person, I give of my finances. This is what God has asked of us. I give to him, and I'm afraid in American Christian culture, we have come and said, it's about getting. I go to church to get, or I come to the Bible to get, and if God stops giving to me, I'm done, and he says, in worship, I give. But do you understand, if we come to God in a reverential understanding, he loves me, he's long-suffering, he calls me a friend, but he is still God then it changes my perspective. Boy, I hope we don't put God down so far that we stopped reverencing him as almighty God. Because here's the struggle. If God is not powerful enough to deal with me, how is he powerful enough to deal with my battles? If he's not powerful enough to deal with the struggle with me and my, and he's not powerful enough for me to fear, how is he powerful enough to deal with the situations in life that I do fear? Catch that? If he's really not almighty God, how is he powerful enough to deal with the things that keep me up at night? The things that I can't overdo? He's not. And as long as I keep God as kind of my equal, I'll never understand what it means. So when I come to understand who God is, I will worship him. I will come. I will participate. I will be involved because it's not about me. It's about him and I will come to worship him, which means I will give. Why? First of all, everything I had came from him at some point anyway, and I give back. Verse 9, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. You can sit there and try and back it off and say it's not that big of a deal, but he simply stated, this is what Scripture says, verse 10, Say among the heathen, again, here's what we say to the world, Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Tell the world, warn the world, tell him that he loves them. Tell him he died for them. But tell him that this it doesn't end peacefully. You must call upon him. Let the field be joyful and all that there is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. He, he talks about the end. We need to come to him. That is the premise of worship. I learn to recognize his greatness and I worship him and I sing praise to him and I love him because he loves me. You know, we sit back and say, I love him because he loved me. I love him because of who he is. And I'm gracious in the fact that in spite of who he is and who I am, a filthy, rotten sinner, somehow he still loves me. I love what David said. What is man that thou art mindful of him? I don't love him because he first loved me. I love him in spite. I love him with an absolute awe that somehow he would love me. And therefore, because he does love me when I don't deserve it, I worship him and I thank him. You know, I love him because of his love. 
And because of that, he, he's great and awesome. And he loves me no matter what. And he will hold me fast and he will keep me in him, in his, in his hand. And he holds me where I need to be in the midst of the hardest times. That's why I love him. Let me encourage you, worship him for who he is. Let's not pull God down to be up here. Let's not pull God down to be just a little bit above us. Let's see God as he is, almighty, unchangeable, sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. But a God who loves us, who created us, and desires to have a relationship with us. That should drive us to a place of worship because the moment God becomes a peer, all these other things become unnecessary. When God is God, it changes my perspective on me and on Him. And may we, may we allow that to happen. Thank you so much for the time you've given us this morning to join us in worship on this Thursday morning. Join us in Bible studies. We reference to worship. Uh, and we're just grateful for the chance to be. You're obviously desiring to learn. You're here, and we greatly appreciate that. May you keep your eyes on Him. Trust in Him. See His goodness in the good and the bad. And wait and see how He will bring glory to Himself and help to you in the midst of whatever situation you're in. Thanks for joining us again today, and we hope to see you again tomorrow.